Oh wait, grab your Bible, we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, and uh, I'm always amazed at how the Holy Spirit does things. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk with my wife about what I'm speaking on tonight or anything like that, and I was in the middle of worship and she's going forth about miracles and belief and all the things she was saying, and um, I leaned over to Pastor Tim and showed him what I'm speaking on. And uh, it's just amazing how the Holy Spirit gels everything together. Isn't that awesome? So tonight I'm going to talk about dismantling unbelief. And I thought it was just amazing how the worship kind of went in that stream already. So uh, we're going to be dealing with dismantling unbelief or dismantling doubt. So go to Luke chapter 1 and we're going to read. We got a little bit of reading tonight. Um, It's going to be a little more than normal, but... That's okay. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start 5 through 25, and then we're going to pick up in uh, 57 through 64. So it's kind of a big chapter, but we're going to get into it as fast as we can. So, amen. Everybody ready? All right, let's read Luke chapter 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. Okay, let me give you just a quick... uh, you know, one thing I appreciate about uh, my church is y'all are thinkers. Um, and it's really good to pastor a church that is full of thinkers. I, don't, I wouldn't do well at a church that don't think. Um, and I've had a couple people come to me over the last few years, well, more than a couple, and they just say, Pastor, we thank you for, you know, teaching us the word of God because now we have an understanding. How many grew up in church for, uh, most of your life? Let me see your hand. How many can honestly say... Uh, a lot of times you was growing up through church you didn't really understand what the bible really meant well the one thing that i i pride uh, myself in is i really think that it's so important that every office grace gift to the body which is fivefold ministry gifts um takes their time to diligently teach so many people like to go to churches where they just get hyped but they leave ignorant and uh, it's, what's the point of calling yourself a Christian if you don't really understand what it means to be a Christ-like follower? Amen? And so I try to, try to give you as much um, inspiration but also theology at the same time. So let's look at this first part where it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea. It's important to understand Herod was like a Caesar, okay? Herod wasn't just some guy. Herod was a title. And a lot of people don't know that. He was a title. He wasn't like, a, like that wasn't just like one guy. Uh, you'll see Herod throughout the history of Israel. Because whoever at the time would reign would be considered the next Herod. Okay? Just like Caesar. There's several different Caesars. Um, and, and so on. Alexander. That's why they call him Alexander the Great. Because he was associated with several different Alexanders. Um, so... It's just a title, so I, I want you to, to have that in mind as we go on here. King of Judea. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside the hour of incense offering. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, and he will, he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the, of, of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Now look at there. What was the response that this man had to the angel? He just told him all of these things that's getting ready to happen. He said, you guys are getting ready to have a baby. His response was, go back just real quick. Watch here. He says, how will I know this is for certain? I am old. I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. In other words, we're both old. You're saying we're going to have kids. It, it, this was a man of the law who understood scripture. You would think he would have understood the Abraham story at this point. That God likes to use old people to have kids. You would think that would have been something that he remembered. Being that he stood in the temple all the time and rehearsed and, and cited all these scriptures. But it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to be a part of it. And here he is standing before the Lord. And notice that the Bible says that he was actually afraid. That it's, it can be fearful when you stand before the promises of God. It takes courage when you stand before that which God has told you to do. And so he's standing there and the angel tells him all he's going to do. And he says, man, I'm too old. How, how, how do I even know for certain? You would think the fact, dude, that you're talking to an angel. Because that, the, 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 what most people wrestle with in today's world is, is, is God real. What they wrestled with was not, is God real? I know that I'm talking to an angel. What the issue was there was, I know God's real, but can he use me? It wasn't matter, it wasn't, the, the, the issue wasn't, was daddy real? The issue was, can he use somebody like me? I don't fit the description I'm a little too old at this point. My time, I've looked at the industry. Most people are successful at this age. I'm still trying to climb the ladder. I should already be set at this point. Can he use me? I'm too old for this promotion at this point. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the angel, watch what the angel says. He blesses him real good here. Watch it. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Isn't that a blessing? In other words, the angel said, I got a gift from heaven. It's called shut up. And he says that I'm good. you're not even going to be able to speak until these promises come to pass. In other words, you may have doubt in your heart, but you ain't spreading it no more. I'm going to make you live with that thing, but you ain't going to plague anybody else's faith. Because while you're doubting, your wife is still hoping. And every time you get intimate with her, that doubt is getting all over. No wonder a 
miracles happening. So I'm, I'm going to give you the gift to shut up. And I'm going to do something. I'm going to do a miracle in your marriage. And something very promising is going to come through this situation that doesn't look real promising. And watch what happens here. I love that. Gift to shut up. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth's wife became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days. Isn't that crazy? He went home. He believed God a little bit because he went home and, and, and got to work. He couldn't talk about it. But he went home and he fulfilled the command of the Lord. Couldn't say nothing. This was the first time Elizabeth was actually intimate with maybe her husband. And doubt wasn't plaguing the intimacy. Something happened. Maybe that's the real issue. Maybe the thing that was blocking the promise of God was the words that this man was choosing to speak. There's power in your tongue. Life and death flows from your tongue. Some of us are so unaware of what we say on a daily basis. If you was to record yourself and listen to yourself the next day, you would be surprised. Some of you say, I don't even know that person. That, but that's the real you. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Everything that is coming out of your mouth has got some type of source here. It's got a root in your heart, but it's, it's bleeding. It's overflowing out of your mouth. And, and all of a sudden, the angel says, no, shut up. I'm going to silence all this nonsense until this comes to pass. And watch what happens here. This is amazing. This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee. Now let's, let's go here. Go to uh, verse 57. I'm going to skip that. We're going to go down a little bit farther. Verse 57 through 64. Just read when you have it. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. Nine months is a long time to not talk. <laughs> Nine months is a long time to be silent. What do you do when you can't release your frustration? What do you do when you're, at a, you're in a season to where everything you feel, you can't really express it? I mean, this dude, he's trying sign language. It's not working. Nobody else knew sign language. Whatever. He had to be quiet and wait for the promise of God. He had to be quiet and stay intimate. And wait for the promise of God. <laughs> I don't know. See, that hits me a little different. And all of a sudden, here he is in this chapter. Watch this. She finally has the baby. And watch what happened. What did the angel tell, uh, what did the angel tell Zechariah that he was going to call the baby? John. 
Watch, watch what happens. And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. That's the logical thing to do, especially in the Hebrew culture. Is name the the, the 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 son, the firstborn, after the father. He carries the birthright. Notice they said they was going to name. That reminds me of a little story. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, my wife has got a great relationship with her father, and I love Mr. Parker. I'm going to talk about your daddy. It, I mean, I was really, really surprised. Like, with, like I grew up, I guess my culture is a little different. When, when you have your firstborn or any of your kids, the only person that's in that room during the delivery is the daddy. <laughs> I was flabbergasted when, when the option was brought to my attention that, Hey, Mr. Parker wants to be in there during the delivery. I said, no, absolutely not. This is, no, this is my turn. <laughs> it, 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 he looked hurt, and I was like, man, you got to get over it, man. Like, you're not, that's, I'm the dad, you know. <clears throat> it, it, it just reminds me of this because notice that it says here that they was going to name him, like, it was a community decision what to name my child <laughs> but look here watch what happens here watch this let's continue but his mother answered and said no indeed but he shall be called John how would she know that the angel never told her that and he hadn't been able to speak for the whole process so how would, how would she know so watch what happens here and they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a table and wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. Here's the thing that's amazing at the whole passage. Is God muting Zechariah during the process of all this? I want you to put this down if you're taking notes. Just remember this, that God's will happened when God silenced doubt God's will happened when God silenced doubt it is really important to understand that the first miracle in the story was not the birthing of John the first miracle of the story was silence the angel had to put a mute on any negativity anything that would contradict the promise of God this is really important for all of us to understand. I, I do a lot of studying. My wife will tell you I, I, I do. I'm constantly looking at stuff. And I try to make sure that I, I, I look at uh, not only truth but also things that contradict that so that you can really be educated on how to reach people. That's part of my DNA. And um, I've, been, I've been studying this week. I've been studying this atheist. He's a, a known atheist. They call him Ra. His name is... I don't know what it is. It can't be Ra. That, that's what they call him. It's just R-A or Ra or Ra. I don't know how they pronounce it, but <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, I've been listening to this gentleman for, for like five days in a row. And I've been studying him so much, just all of his viewpoints and how he sees this and that. And he's a scientific kind of guru guy and really... Uh, really study science and in his mind um, any faith based people just don't make any logical sense 
And so, long story short, I'm studying and studying and listening to everything that he's, he's saying. And I found myself, it was somewhere around Friday, I found myself feeling really empty. Because that's, I've just been marinating on everything he's saying, really diving into it to try to understand why he feels the way that he feels. Anybody ever been around friends who are atheistic in nature or very, very against God or religion? Anybody been around people like that? Um, and so, a long story short, I, I just I felt empty. And I'll tell you what, man, I was on the way to the gym the other day and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, put on worship. And I put on worship and it was like the presence of God came in and just grabbed my heart. And what it did is it just, it brought a confidence to what I believe, what I know is true of God. And this is why this is really important. It's not that there's not logical answers to this stuff. It's just that sometimes when all we fellowship with is negative things, no wonder you're acting the way you're acting. That's why scripture says when you fellowship with the spirit, you, listen, if you, if, if you sow to the spirit, you reap the spirit. But if you sow to the flesh, you reap the flesh. It's really difficult to whip something in the flesh when all you're fellowshipping with is the flesh. Amen. But if you if you if you fellowship with the spirit, you're going to you're going to reap the spirit. And that's the nature of the gospel. And so this right here is amazing that the that the angel says, no, no, no. You talking during this whole season isn't really good. Let's just let's just put a mute on this. I'm going to separate Elizabeth from the negativity, from whatever you're saying, because the doubt in your heart is obviously affecting things. So let me just put a mute on that. This is what I'm trying to say is you've got to learn to put a mute on things that are contradictory to the promises of God over your life. How many have a promise that, you know, God has given you? I mean, don't just raise your hand because it's something that we do. I mean, really, no. God has put a promise over your life. You know what it is. You, you have a distinct visual of what God wants you to do. you got to be careful with that promise. you got to guard it. you got to protect its culture, its environment. you got to get around people that encourage it, that equip it, that help it grow, that seed into it. Amen, somebody. You can't, can't just be around just common people that, are, uh, that, 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 that don't understand or discern who you really are. Are you understand? Some of us are hanging around with people that do not discern who you really are. They're taking you as common and there's nothing common about you. And you've got to get around people that discern you. Not just know you from your past experiences, but discern you. What God is saying about you. Knowing you not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And then that's when you begin to fuel the things that God is trying to do in your life. Amen, somebody? Alright, so let's, let's look at here. I want to go down here to James chapter 1. Because the thing is, when we are intimate without barrenness is the fruit. When we are intimate without Barrenness is the fruit. Maybe that's why she was barren. I'm too old. When I say intimate with something, I mean you're fellowshipping with it. You're communing with it. You're, you're meditating on it. You're marinating with it. It's constantly on your mind. You're intimate with that thing. And the fruit of that is always barrenness. It's like you stop producing what you're meant to produce. You and I don't do good when we're out of the will of God. Come on now. You and I do not do real good when we are out of the will of God. We don't function right. We're impatient. We're in, I mean, we just don't tolerate stuff. I mean, we're just not the right person to be around. A cup of coffee don't fix it. Nothing fixes it but the will of God. Once you get back in the will of God, the real you starts to emerge. Oh, they're, they're, I know them now. 
I didn't know who that was, but now I know who that is now. The will of God is where your uniqueness shines. Amen, somebody? James 1, watch this here. We're going to read it in two versions, the NSAB, and then we're going to go to the message. Here's what the NSAB says. Let's, let's read. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to yeah. the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that ye may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Okay, right there. Man, man. This scripture grabbed me so hard today. How many have ever heard a sermon preached or been at a conference or been at something to where, I mean, they're trying to get your faith all geeked up for whatever it is. It could be a house, a car, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever it is that you believe. We believe God for some crazy stuff, y'all. And, 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 and what happens is, I mean, when I was in the single process, I had a bunch of women that was believing God for me to be their husband. I'm like, do I have a choice or is your faith just hijacked? Like, OK. <laughs> I mean, man. <laughs> I'm choosing my wife, Doc. You ain't just gonna faith me into a marriage. <laughs> that ain't how faith works. That ain't how, how it works. But there's a lot of people that use faith the wrong way. They get their agenda, they put faith on it, then get disappointed and run from God when it don't work. Watch what James says about this. He's he. I love this part because we always say this in, in in church. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For a man ought to not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. But what is James telling you to use faith and asking for? Go back up to the next passage. Go, just go back up to, look here. Look here, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, he's saying, I want you to be full of faith. Have enough faith to actually ask for wisdom. He's not saying use faith to get your agenda done. He's saying have faith to ask for wisdom. And real wisdom follows God. <laughs> I'm full of faith. You can't be full of faith and not full of wisdom. <laughs> You're full of wishful thinking. That's not faith. Faith and wisdom are married. It's a package deal. The more faith you have, the more wisdom you have. You'll stop asking for stuff that is going to hurt you in the long run. Man, so I just pulled it up in the Message Bible because I already know he's going to rip on this. So let's swing over there to the Message Bible, the same passage. I mean, the Message Bible is dangerous to your feelings. Uh, Look at here. Just go and read, Pastor Tim. I, James, am a slave of God and the Master of Jesus. Writing to the twelve tribes scattered to the kingdom come. Hello. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and show its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. (laughs) Don't try to get out of pre... We got a lot of preemie faith people. 
We really do. They're walking around the body of Christ and they have, they have very little faith. On the outside, they look like they got it all together, but on the inside, uh, just a little bit of testing and it, it exposes where they're really at. I mean, my God, I wish some of y'all could trade places with us at some point. This is a good season for me to trade places with. You get to feel a lot of pressure. Whole lot. I just wish you could. You tripping because somebody don't accept your Facebook request. And that puts you in an upward like, what are they thinking about me? Who cares? Follow them on Twitter. <laughs> There's ways around it. They reject you there. Hit them on another platform. Problem fixed. You still get to be nosy. <laughs> well, the other way to fix the problem is actually walking your purpose. You don't have enough time to be following people. Come on now. By the way, follow me on Instagram, Gail Brandon Jr. Uh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but he says, don't be premature. Let's continue this. Watch this. It's amazing. Let it do its work so you become mature and well developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea. But see, that, that, that's, that's, that's the key, though. Did you see people who worry their prayers? Why would you worry your prayer? Where does the worry come from? It comes from the fact that you're trying to make God bow to your solutions. If you come to the end of your own agenda, and you come before the Lord and you say, I don't have any options here, God, whatever you want is the way I'm going. There's nothing to worry about, because what it is, it will be. So there's no need to worry at that point. But the reason we worry is because we're afraid that God's not actually agreeing with the plan that we have set in our own hearts. And therefore, our hearts are troubled. And this is why Jesus said, believe in me, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, get out of your own head. There's a way that you have devised and you think it's right. That's why I love the scriptures where it says uh, the, 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 there's a plan that man has, but the end there is instruction. In other words, we form this plan in our heads. Uh, this is how you can fix this, God. And if you just do it this way, it's all good. Praise the Lord. And then we use faith. And then what happens is God doesn't do it that way. And then we get our hope deferred. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Then we're walking around offended at God. And you're offended at God because you tried to hijack him and he just wouldn't let you do it. Because he realizes that you're asking me to do it this way, but you don't understand what I'm setting you up for. If I do it this way, it's not going to empower you to become what I've called you to become. God is actually trying to get you to greatness. And you're not going, you and I don't have the ability to form a plan that's going to get us there. Because we're persuaded by our own feelings. We don't want to go through nothing. And sometimes to be great, you got to go through stuff. We never pick the road of pain. That's why God has to blindside you with it. 
He has to sneak it up on us because we we don't willingly go to the cross. My God, Jesus struggled with it. Man, that guy, he, all the stuff he did, God, knowing God, seeing angels, knowing his father, all the stuff he said, God, there's, nevertheless, there's any way this cup pass. He, God didn't even have to answer him. He answered himself because he already knew this is a dumb prayer. And nevertheless, God, if there's any way, oh, my will with yours be done. It was almost like, man, the flesh side of him was starting to realize this is about to suck. But for the joy that was set before. See, what gets you through the trials, was y'all here last week? What gets you through the trials is having the ability to see beyond it. If you can get a prophetic glimpse at what, what it produces, it pulls you through it. You can go through anything with hope. You can get through anything with hope. The destination is always what it produces, not what we're going through. Amen? This all right tonight? Proverbs, look at this. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 8, last one. Look at here. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 9. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Oh, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Alright, there's so much revelation in that. We've heard it, but we need to really just, just unpack this for a second. Trust in the Lord. Already is scary. Come on now, let's be honest. Anybody been in a season where you, you have to trust? Because God will put you in them seasons, whether you like it or not. Alright? And don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. That's the problem with a lot of people today is we're wise in our own eyes. If you're the smartest person you know, you need to graduate. It says, turn from evil. And it said, this is the key. It will be healing to your flesh. So in other words, if you trust the Lord, don't lean to your understanding. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. In other words... He's saying that I'll heal the wounded. There's healing available for you mentally and physically. If you trust the Lord. And do not lean to your own understanding. In other words, the cure to our doubt. Is not an answer, but rather a journey with the Father. Watch this. There's. I want to make sure this lands. As a pastor. I get the opportunity to counsel a whole lot of people, and and even more than just our our church here. People hit my wife and I up all the time. And we'll, we'll talk with them, we'll dialogue with them, and people are hurting all over the world. They're hurting all over the world. I was at the gym today um, and walked in, in our gym that we work out, the weight rooms here, and then you got to walk past the basketball gym. I walked past the basketball gym, and a guy 
comes up to me. He says, man, I didn't know you was a pastor, man. I said, yeah, I've been playing ball with this guy for a couple of years. He says, yeah. He said, man, you ain't never tell me that. I said, oh, okay, sorry, man. I hope I at least resembled a Christian. He said, oh, yeah, you was always cool, man. I just didn't know you was a pastor, man. I said, oh, how'd you find out? He said, I was on, uh, Devon goes to your church? I said, sometimes. I said, sometimes. <laughs> what what do you do? I said, I don't know. I should have said, wait a minute. Uh, which one are we talking about? No. He said, Devon, go to your church. I said, yeah. I said, how'd you know? He said, man, I was on Facebook. He was arguing with somebody, and I seen you comment or something on there. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my guy. He said, man, I didn't know that, man. He said, I got on your page. I said, man, dude, you pastor a church? I said, yeah. He said, he said yeah. So we got to talking and chatting, and it, it opened up a whole big dialogue with this guy. And I, for 30 minutes, you know, I was in this gym talking with this guy about the scriptures and things of that nature and the Christ hermeneutic and all this stuff. I didn't know that this guy had a whole lot of questions that, you know, God was allowing me to, to be present there to maybe bring some definition to. But it opened up a real big thing. But he began to share his heart. He said, man, you know, this, that, this, that was kind of into the church thing or whatever. And I was hurt and, you know, stuff happened. And, uh, man, and I began to just feel his pain, you know, church hurt. And, and uh, it's funny, man. He just talked about me. He said, man, I just don't trust these shepherds. And I said, wow, man, you don't trust, you don't trust Jesus? No, man, that just, you know, pastors and stuff. I said, oh, 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 that's what you meant by shepherds. I said, I'm, I'm not a shepherd. The scripture never calls me a shepherd. I'm a, I'm a pastor, but I'm not a shepherd. I'm still a sheep. I'm trusting the shepherd like you are. That's the problem is you're idolizing people. You're always going to get hurt when you put people like me on a pedestal. I love you. I'll teach doctrine to you, but I, you better believe I'm a man too. Amen, somebody. That should get a loud amen because you ain't going to get pastors telling you that stuff. I'm telling you the truth. I'm still a man. I'm still trusting God for everything the same way y'all are. And I said, oh, I see what you're saying now because you was associating pastor with shepherd. But here's, here's the reality. Jesus, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. I'm not the shepherd. In other words, I'm, you know, sheep, people always associate them with being dumb. Sheep aren't dumb. Sheep aren't dumb. I don't know where we get that concept. They're just trusting. They're just trusting. But they're not dumb, though. They will run off a cliff. That does seem a little dumb. <laughs> but it's dumb if you look at it in the aftermath of things. But that doesn't mean they're dumb. The reason they do is because they don't think anything's there to hurt them. So they just walk. If the shepherd goes off the cliff, they'll follow the shepherd. They're just very trusting. <laughs> Which sometimes can make us look a little foolish. Because trust. <laughs> trust positions us to do crazy things. And without trust, you'll never do anything significant. Why do you think the enemy works so hard against relationships? Because he likes to mess with your trust issues. People that have trust issues are people that in their head, they're the ones that, that they start going in self-protecting mode. And then, and then pretty soon it's like their barriers are all up in every area of their life and you can't get to know them. You can't have, find out anything about them. It's because they're, they don't want to ever open up their heart again because they got hurt so bad the last time. And then what they do is they actually are imprisoning themselves. They're hurting themselves. 
I've seen people that was in relationships and it went sour and then they tried to get into another relationship and, and the person like, well, I just don't feel like I really know you. And, and it's because they won't let the barriers down to let people have an opportunity and they make the other individual that they're with pay for all the mistakes somebody else did. And you're imprisoning yourself. See, trust keeps us at a place to where God can position us for the right things. Here's the thing that's beautiful about this, this thing here, this passage here. It says that it will be healing to your flesh and refreshments to your bones. Trusting in the Lord puts you on a journey. Uh, Tiffany, come here just real quick. Didn't she do a good job last week? Let's say, and I'm closing with this. Divine, you can come if you don't mind. Um, let's say that everything that looks good for Tiffany in her life is at the back of the building and every step she takes is a different season of her life to get there. Let's say as soon as she, like if I said everything God had for you is at that door right there, right? What would you do in your wisdom? Don't be super spiritual. What would you do? You're going to run down that aisle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Why though? Because I want to get there. Why wouldn't you go this way though? Because you can see it there. It's faster. It's quicker. There's less obstacles. All of those stuff, right? But let's say that her getting there without the obstacles, she gets there. And all of the things that God wants to adorn her with, none of them fit because she didn't grow enough. In the journey, she's at the place of destination, but none of it is fitting. Because this was the path that was designed. See, these obstacles was designed to deal with issues that when the issues are dealt with, by the time she gets there, this may look like the long way around, but the long way around is actually designed to grow her to where when she gets there, everything fits right. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because God, listen, the fastest way to something is not always the best way. It's not always the best way because... All of us have been through life, and we've, I mean, we've been through some doozies, man. There's people that will hurt you and manipulate you and lie on you, and people, some of us have been raised in upbringings to where it was comp- really deceptive and hurting and all kinds of things that has attached itself to our hearts just because of, I mean, before we was even 10, some of us experienced hell on earth. 10. And your mindset is a bag. Of, of all kinds of, of psychological dysfunctions that are happening. And, 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 and you're living life with all this stuff. And then you say, God, I want you to do this great thing with me. And God is not irresponsible. He doesn't give us stuff we want. Because your destiny being fulfilled is not about you. It's about other people. So he's got to make sure that he gets you and I at a place to where if I'm going to give it to you, i got to make sure you can steward it. And so what happens is he said, here, I'm going to lead you down this path, but I don't want you to lead to your own understanding. So don't just take off because I showed it to you. Oh, there it is. Let me run. No, no, don't just take off because I showed it to you, but rather lean not to your own understanding. Come back here. Trust in me. All right, God, what does that mean? Go left. I don't know, God, I'm feeling some tension there. I know. That's the way. Go left. I need you to face that thing. You buried it too long. Ah, 
I got there. Oh my God, what do you want to do? Keep going left. Look, it hurts to go left. I know, that's the way. <clears throat> Deal with the pain. Oh, what do you want to do? I want you to just stand still. Don't move at all. God will put you in a season where he says, just stand still. And that's the will. It's very possible. I mean, I'm telling some seasons of God are like treadmill. You're still accomplishing your goal, but you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> what do you do? Go left again. And it hurts, but you're dealing with all the issues. God's bringing truth to every experience. And all of a sudden, by the time you get there, you're ready for the things that God has given to you. Amen? Don't take the easy way today. Doubt is dismantled by trusting God. It's not dismantled. Because I could, you could tell me, Pastor Gail, well, I don't believe in God because of this. And you think, and, and in your hopes, maybe you think, well, Pastor Gail can give me an answer that will help me believe again. No, no, that's not how doubt's dismantled. Doubt is dismantled through an experience and a journey walking with the Father. It has to be revelation that dismantles doubt. It's never going to come to you just in a book. It's never going to come in a, a, a fortune cookie. It's not going to happen that way. That may appease your flesh for a second. But if you got doubt in your heart, that's because there's something that's keeping it there. And it's divine revelation. And your experience with Christ is going to root that out. And the only way to do that is step into a journey with him. It is a journey. Can you say amen? All right, let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Tiff.